Uh, well, hello, church. Um, it's nice to be able to worship with you this morning. And uh, I know this is kind of new what me and Charles are doing, um, but we thought this would be uh, a pretty good way of uh, presenting this message. Um, so what I would like for somebody to do here in a minute, for everybody to turn to Matthew 24 in your Bibles, um, I'm going to ask someone to step up to the microphone and to read uh, for me just to make this a little bit more interactive so that um, it just feels like more like I'm there with you this morning. So while y'all are opening your Bibles to Matthew 24, uh, I want to just talk about uh, a little bit about what this sermon is about. So we have done many sermons and uh, many studies over the signs of the times. And so I like to do when, when I'm trying to figure out what sermons I'm going to be doing for the year, I like to do like a series um, to do like a deeper dive into a topic, um, especially about things I don't know a whole lot about myself. And so as I was trying to figure out what I was going to be doing for this sermon, um, I thought what what better time to do a sermon than over the signs of the times? Um, and so right now I'm researching about uh, researching and doing some study on Matthew 24 and the specific signs of the times that Jesus was talking about that we should be, we should have been watching and, and watching for today as well. Um, uh, I'm going I'm to resize it, Charles, here in a minute. Uh, but basically, um, the signs that Jesus said that would come to pass before his second coming. Um, and so. First, Jesus was talking about false prophets. He was talking about wars. He was talking about famines and he was talking about natural disasters. Um, and basically, I, I, I know he was talking about the normal wars and about famines and war because these things have existed since the beginning. But I think what he was talking about also was the great global scale um, versions of these things. Like when you're talking about wars, like a global wars like world war one world war two also like famines like great famines like those that take note and can change um like the, you know whole countries in, in the world and then natural disasters um on a global scale which we have had and we are actually going through right now so when i was reading in matthew jesus mentions earthquakes but if you read in luke he writes it as great earthquakes. So that's what got me thinking about that. Maybe if we focus in on the bigger um, uh, versions of these events, how many of these things have actually happened up to this point? And are we experiencing those things right now? Um, so like, uh, for an example, it says wars and rumors of wars. Well, rumors of wars, like right now, we the world is always on the verge of um, of a nuclear war, and as and as we have to be careful about what we do and how we interact with other countries, we don't we have to be very careful that these are rumors that these wars could come to pass. Right? That, I think that's what he was talking about. Is that we're, the world is connected in a way that if one if the wrong countries get into conflict with each other, the whole world would be brought back into that conflict, just like in World War One and World War Two. And so that's really what I want to do uh, a series over is to go over each one of these different signs that he was talking about and to get a better perspective about how many there have been, where we are today. Um, 
And also this topic of global warming, because I keep hearing this term, it gets thrown around all the time. And I personally don't know much about it. So I've been kind of looking at that, trying to study and learn more about it and to see if that has, is that playing a part in natural disasters and the great natural disasters and maybe the increase in natural disasters as we go along. And so far from what I understand, they actually, it actually does. And it actually makes a lot of sense. So I chose, uh, and we're going to read Matthew 1 through 14 here in a second, but I picked uh, pestilence because he talks about in, in, in verse seven and pestilences, which means they're going, they're going to be, basically disease, great disease going on in the world. And since we're already in the middle of one, I thought that this would be the time to do that sermon. So with pestilence, you got to understand that when you have a lot of people together, when disease comes about, the spreading of a disease comes through network effects. And the more people there are, the greater chance of that disease spreading faster um, um, than if there was a smaller group of people. And if you think about the world today, we have the world is has grown from say five hundred million people in the Middle Ages to about a little like a little less than eight billion people in the world today. On top of that, through technology, we are interconnected and can travel the world um very quickly. And as we've seen this year or this last year, a, a, a new disease can spread across the globe in a matter of months. Um, and so I think in these last days, we're going to be experiencing these types of events more and more um, as we go. As Rob said this morning, this is the first one. This is the last one. Um, we're going to be experiencing this more and more. So what I would like for someone, a brave soul to come up to the mic and read for me, Matthew 24, 1 through 14. Um so is there anybody who's willing to, to do that for me? Come on, I need a brave soul now. Come on, someone step up and read it for me. Anybody? Okay, all right, well, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll read it then. Uh, so let's start in Matthew, uh, verse, Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that ye not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nations shall rise against nations, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginnings of sorrow. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. 
and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because of the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Okay, um, I'm going to turn my camera off here. And hopefully my audio is pretty good. Um, my microphone that I usually use, is not working with this computer right now for whatever reason. So hopefully you can hear me pretty well. Okay, thank you, Charles. All right, and so to, uh, to kind of start this, This sermon, when if I wanted to read that because I wanted for those of the, the for those of you who have never read Matthew twenty four, for those who may be watching on YouTube, or if you're young and you've never read this before, or you've never heard this before, I wanted to read that so you can see what where this where this study is coming from. That Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he was talking about four different about around four different things here. He was talking about the fall of Jerusalem that was about to happen. Um, not long after this, he was also talking about the time of the early church, the church in the Middle Ages, and the church right before his second coming. What Jesus was doing, he was prophesizing and he was telling them what were the signs to look for that were about to affect them personally. But he was also talking to all of the church, to all of us, that as time was going to go, come closer to his second coming, these things were going to come to pass, these signs. Um, and those signs were great wars and rumors of wars. Um, and as you know, during the Middle Ages, especially in the early centuries, right after the early church and in the Middle Ages, there were a lot of wars. There was a lot of conflict. There's countries at war with one another, um, countries trying to to uh to do as the countries before, like the four beasts were, they try to conquer the world by conquering each other, but that didn't work. So they try to intermingle by marrying one another through royal, through the royal families. That didn't work. So there were wars during that middle, during the middle ages. And then there's obviously um, in the, in our time, the first world war one, world war two, where all the countries came into conflict with one another. And it was estimated that about 160 million people died during World War One and World War Two. So there have been great wars and also the rumors of wars, as I spoke earlier, um, that we're always on edge of a nuclear war that could pretty much destroy most people in this world because um, of the technology that we have. So that prophecy has come to pass. And we're going to go into deeper into that in a different uh, uh, sermon also, he talks about natural disasters, earthquakes, um, um, and I want to bring in global warming because that is such a big topic today, and I want to do a study to learn more about that myself. But he also talks about famines and pestilence and false prophets. And so with us being in the middle of this one, I want to do this sermon over pestilence, and then we'll go into the others. So um, let me go past. I forgot I had this up here, but okay. So the first one, um, what we're going to do is I went and researched all the different pandemics that we know about, and I want to share information about those pandemics. That way we can see that for sure this is not the first pandemic that we're in, and this, is gone, this has been going on for a, a, a long period of time, and the first known one is in 430 B.C. in Athens, 
So in the realm of infectious disease, a pandemic is the worst case scenario. When a epidemic spreads beyond a country's borders, that's when the disease becomes a pandemic. So basically, if, if disease is spreading in a country, that's an epidemic. But once it crosses into different countries, into different nationalities and, and different places in the world, that's when it becomes a pandemic. And that's why we have a global pandemic happening right now. So in 430 BC, the earliest recorded pandemic happened during the Peloponnesian War. And forgive me for announcing these, these names because they're very difficult. Um, as you know, after the disease passed through Libya, Ethiopia, and Egypt, it crossed the Athenian walls as the Spartans lay siege. As much as two-thirds of the population died. The symptoms included fever, thirst, bloody throat, and tongue, red skin, and lesions. The disease sus uh, suspected to have been uh, uh, typhoid fever weakened the Ath Athenians significant and was a significant factor in defeat um, by the Spartans. In, in Wikipedia, uh, I just want to give a little bit more information for some of these more obscure um, pandemics. Um, just to give a better perspective, um, the plague of Athens was an epidemic that was devast that devastated the city-state of Athens in ancient Greece during the second year in 430 BC. When an Athenian victory still seemed within reach, um, the plague killed an estimated 75,000 to 100,000 people, around one quarter of the population, and is believed to have entered Athens through um, Piraeus, the city's port and sole source of food and supplies. Much of the eastern Mediterranean also saw an outbreak of the disease, albeit with less impact. The plague has serious effects on Athens society, resulting in a lack of adherence to laws and religious belief. In response, laws became stricter, resulting in the punishment of non-citizens claiming to be Athenian. Among the victims of the plague was Perseus, uh, the leader of Athens. The plague returned twice more in 429 BC and in the winter of 427 and 426 BC. Some 30 pathogens have been suggested as having caused the plague. Now, if, as you're going to notice as we go on, it says it's going to become a recurring theme that with plagues and with epidemics, the governments tend to use those as opportunities to do different things like um, to take liberties away from people or or those type of things that they normally wouldn't be able to do. So that is something we need to watch for in, in today's day. As these events come to pass, um, what are the government's response going to be towards these uh, pandemics? All right. Now to, to the next plague was in, actually it was after the time, uh, after Jesus, was in 165 AD, and it's called the Antonine Plague. The Antonine Plague was possibly an early appearance of smallpox that began with the Huns. The Huns then infected the Germans, who passed it to the Romans, and then returning troops spread it throughout the Roman Empire. Symptoms included fever, sore throat, diarrhea, and if the patient lived long enough, pus-filled sores. This plague continued until about 180 AD, claiming Emperor Marcus Aurelius as one of his victims. And in Wikipedia, just to add a little bit more to that, the Antoine Plague of 165 to 180 AD, also known as the Plague of Galen, um, who was the physician who described it, was an ancient pandemic brought to the Roman Empire by troops who were returning from campaigns in the Near East. Scholars have suspected it has been either smallpox or measles. The plague may have claimed the life of a Roman emperor, uh, Lucius Verus, who died in 169 and was the co-regent of Marcus Aurelius. 
The two emperors have had risen to the throne by virtue of being adopted by the previous emperor, Antoninus Pius. And as a result, the family name Antoninus has become associated with the pandemic. All right. Ancient sources agree that the plague appeared during the Roman siege of the Mesopotamian city of Lecisi, I can't say the name of Celsicia, I can't say the name of in the winter of 165-166. Ammonius Marcellinus reported that the plague spread to Gaul and to the legions along the the Rhine. Etropius stated that a large population died um, throughout the empire. According to the contemporary Roman historian Cassius Dill, the disease broke out again nine years later in 189 AD and caused up to 2,000 deaths a day in Rome. One quarter of those who were affected, the total, a uh, 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 quarter of those who were affected, the total death count had been estimated at 5 million. And the disease killed as much as one third of the population in some areas, um, devastated the Roman Empire. And if those numbers seem low, remember in these days there weren't seven point some billion people on the earth. Right. There were literally hundreds of millions of people on the earth in totality, like the whole earth. OK, so the next plague that happened was in 250 A.D. and it was called the Cyphron Plague. Named after the first known victim, the Christian bishop of Carthage, the Cyprian Plague entailed diarrhea, vomiting, throat ulcers, fever and gangrenous hands and feet. City dwellers fled to the county. A country to escape infection, but instead of but instead spread the disease further. Possibly starting in Ethiopia, it passed through northern Africa into Rome, then into Egypt and northward. There were recurring outbreaks over the next three centuries, and in 444 AD, it hit Britain and, obst- and obstructed defense efforts against the Picts and the Scots, causing the British to seek help from the Saxons, who would soon control the island. All right. And in the next plague, we have the Justinian Plague. This happened in 541 AD. So in this plague, um, as because we're getting we're in the Middle Ages, getting into the Middle Ages here, first appearing in Egypt, the Justinian Plague spread through Palestine and by and the Bas um, Empire and throughout the Mediterranean. The plague changed the course of the empire, squelching Emperor Justinian's plans to bring the Roman Empire back together and causing massive economic struggle. It is also credited with creating an apocalyptic atmosphere that spurred the, the rapid spread of Christianity. Recurrences over the next two centuries eventually killed about 50 million people, 26% of the world population. It is belie- believed to be the first significant appearance of the bubonic plague, which featured in enlarged lymphatic gland and is carried by rats and spread by fleas. Okay, so just a little bit more about this one because this is actually like one of the first really big plagues that we, um, that the world has dealt with. Um, The plague of Justinian uh, Justinian in 541 to 549 AD was the beginning of the first plague pandemic, the first world pandemic of plague the contagious disease caused by the bacterium and Yersinian pestis or whatever. The, the disease afflicted the entire Mediterranean basin, Europe, and the Near East, severely affecting the Sassanian uh, Empire and the Roman Empire, and especially its capital, Constantinople. The plague is named for the Roman emperor in Constantinople, Justinian, um, who, according to his court historian, contracted the disease and recovered in 542. 
at the height of the epidemic, which killed about a fifth of the population in the imperial capital, the contagion arrived in Roman Egypt in 541, spread around the Mediterranean Sea until 544, and persisted in northern Europe and the Arabian Peninsula until 549. In 2013, researchers confirmed earlier speculation that the cause of the plague of Justinian was uh, was was Yersinian pistis, the same bacteria responsible for the Black Plague in 1347-1351. The latter was much shorter, but still killed an estimated one third of one half to one half of U- of Europeans. Ancient um, Ancient modern strands closely related to the ancestor of the Justinian uh, plague strain have been found in Tian Shan, a system mountain ranges on the borders of Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, and China, suggesting that the Justinian plague originated in and near that region. The plague of Justinian is the first and the best known outbreak of the first plague pandemic, which continued to recur in, until the middle of the 8th century. Some historians believe the first plague pandemic was the deadliest pandemic in history, resulting in the deaths of estimate 15 to 100 million people during two centuries of recurrence, a death toll equivalent to 25 to 60 percent of Europe's population at the time of the first outbreak. The plague's social and cultural impact has been compared to that of the Black Death, the second plague pandemic that devastated Eurasia in the 14th century. Research published in 2019 argued that the 200-year-long pandemic's death toll and social effects have been exaggerated compared to the modern third plague pandemic in 1855 through 1960. All right, so let's move on to the, to the 11th century. Now we're, we're in the middle of the Middle Ages here. And this is leprosy. Um, as we know, leprosy um, is found all throughout the Bible here. So, but throughout... Though it had been around for ages, leprosy grew into a pandemic in Europe in the Middle Ages, resulting in the building of numerous leprosy-focused hospitals to accommodate the vast number of victims. A slow-developing bacterial disease that caused sores and deformalities, um, leprosy can, was believed to be a punishment from God that ran in families. This belief led to more judgments and ostracization of victims. Now known as Hansen's disease, it still afflicts tens of thousands of people a year and can be fatal if not treated with antibiotics. All right, now let's move on to the Black Death in 1350. Responsible for the death of one third of the world population, this second large outbreak of the bubonic plague possibly started in Asia and moved west in caravans. Entering through Sicily, and in 1347 AD, when plague sufferers arrived in the port of Messina, it spread throughout Europe rapidly. Dead bodies became so prevalent that many remained rotting on the ground and created a constant stench in cities. England and France were so incapacitated by the plague that the countries called a truce to their war. The British feudal system collapsed when the plague changed economic circumstances and demographics. Ravaging populations in Greenland, Vikings lost the strength to wage battle against native populations and their exploration of North America halted. The Black Death was the second disaster affecting Europe during the late Middle Ages, um, the first being the Great Famine of 1315 and through 1317, which we're going to talk about um, in a different sermon. And it's estimated to have killed 30 to 60 percent of Europe's population. In total, the plague may have reduced the world population from an estimated 475 million to 375 million in the 14th century. There were further outbreaks in the late Middle Ages with other contributing factors. It took until 1500 
for the year 1500 for the European population to reign the levels of 1300. Outbreaks of the plague occurred at various locations around the world until the 19th century. All right. And before I go on, I want to say this. As you probably are starting to notice, the plagues that are occurring are becoming a little more frequent as we get closer to our time. Um, at first, there's like, like you're going to notice here as we go forward here how much, and I don't think this this list that I'm going through is not all of the pandemics, but the, just the biggest ones really. But they get become more prevalent. So let's let's go on. In 1492, the Colombian Exchange, following the arrival of the Spanish in the Caribbean, disease such as smallpox, measles, and bubonic plague were passed along to the native populations by the Europeans. With no previous exposure, these diseases devastated in, in, um, indigenous people with as many as 90% dying throughout the North and South continents. Upon arrival on the island of Hispaniola, Christian Columbus in, encountered the, uh, the Tano people, population of 60,000, and by 1548, the population stood at least at less than 500. This scenario repeated itself throughout the Americas. In 1520, the Aztec Empire was destroyed by a smallpox infection. The disease killed many of its victims and capacitated others. It weakened the population so that they were unable to resist Spanish colonizers and left farmers unable to produce needed crops. Research in 2019 even concluded that the deaths of some 56 million Native Americans in the 16th and 17th centuries, larger through disease, they have altered Earth's climate as vegetation um, growth on previous tilled land drew more than drew more CO2 from the atmosphere and caused a cooling effect. All right, so let's move on to 1665, and this is the Great Plague of London. And in, in another devastating appearance, the bubonic plague led to the death of 20% of London's population. As human death tolls mounted and mass graves appeared, hundreds of thousands of cats and dogs were slaughtered as the possible cause, and the disease spread through ports along the Thames. The worst of the outbreak tapered off in the fall of 1666, around the same time as another destructive event, the Great Fire of London. And just to give a little bit more information on that, the Great Plague of London last, lasted from 1665 to 1666 and was the last major epidemic of the bubonic plague to occur in, e in England. It happened within the centuries-long second pandemic, a period of intermediate bubonic plague epidemics which originated from Central Asia in 1331, the first year of the Black Death, an outbreak which included other forms such as new, uh, uh, pneumonic plague and lasted until 1750. The Great Plague killed an estimate of 100,000 people, almost a quarter of London's population, in 18 months. The plague was caused by the uh, by that same bacteria that I talked about earlier, which was usually transmitted through the bite of an infected rat flea. In 1665 to 66, epidemic was on a much smaller scale than the earlier Black Death pandemic and became known afterwards as the Great Plague, mainly because it was the last widespread outbreak of bubonic plague in England during the 400-year second pandemic. All right. And then in 1877, there was the first cholera pandemic. I guess I'm saying that right. The first of seven cholera pandemics over the next 150 years, this wave of the small intestine infection originated in Russia, where one million people died, spreading through uh, feces, infected water, and food. The bacterium was passed along to British soldiers who brought it to India, where millions more died. The reach, the reach of the British Empire and its navy spread cholera to Spain, 
Africa, Indonesia, um, China, Japan, um, Italy, Germany, and America, where it killed 150,000 people. A vaccine was created in 1885, but pandemics continue. All right. In 1855, um, Oh, sorry, sorry. Let me go back. There's a little bit more here. The first uh, cholera, cholera pandemic in 1877, 1817 and 8 to 1824, also known as the first uh, Asiatic cholera pandemic or Asiatic cholera, began near the city of Calcutta and spread throughout South and Southeast Asia to the Middle East, Eastern Africa, and the Mediterranean coast. While cholera had spread through uh, um, India many times previously, this outbreak went further. It reached as far as China and the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea before subsiding. Hundreds of thousands of people died as a result of this pandemic, including many British soldiers, which attracted European attention. This was the first of several cholera pandemics to sweep through Asia and Europe during the 19th and 20th centuries. This first pandemic spread over an unprecedented range of territory, including almost every country and um, uh, Asia. All right. Then we go to 1855, and these are going to be a lot quicker here, um, just because um, we have maybe about six or seven here, but there, there's not a whole lot of uh, information that I was going to share with them. But in 1855, the third plague uh, pandemic started in China and moved to India and Hong Kong. The bubonic plague claimed 15 um, million victims initially spread by fleas during a mining boom in Yunnan. The plague is considered a factor in the Parthay Rebellion and the Taiping Rebellion. India faced the most substantial casualties and the epidemic was used as an excuse for repressive uh, policies that sparked some revolt against the British. The pandemic was considered active until 1960 when cases dropped below a couple hundred. All right, and then in 1875, we have the Fiji measles pandemic. After Fiji ceded to the British Empire, a royal party visited Australia as a gift from Queen Victoria. According, arriving during a measles outbreak, the royal family brought the disease back to their island and it was spread further by the tribal heads and police who met with them upon their return. Spreading quickly, the island was littered with corpse, corpses that were scavenged by wild animals and the entire villages, villages died and were burned down, sometimes with the sick trapped inside the fires. One third of Fiji's population, um, a total of 40,000 people died. All right. Yeah, thank you, Charles. I'll do that. Uh, in 1889, um, there was the Russian flu. The first significant flu pandemic started in Siberia and Kazakhstan, I can't say it, traveled to Moscow and, and made its way to, in, to Finland and, to, and then Poland, where it moved into the rest of Europe. By the following year, it had crossed the ocean into North America and Africa. And by the end of 1890, 360 people had died. All right. And then in 1980, 18, we're getting closer to our time here. We have the Spanish flu. Um, and the Spanish flu, the avian-borne flu that resulted in 50 million deaths worldwide. The 1918 flu was first observed in Europe, the United States, and parts of Asia before swiftly spreading around the world. At the time, there was no effective drugs or vaccines to treat this killer flu strain. Wire service reports of a flu outbreak in Madrid in the spring of 1918 led to the pandemic being called the Spanish flu. 
By October, hundreds of thousands of Americans died and body storage uh, scarce, scarcity hit crisis levels. But the flu threat disappeared in the summer of 1919 when most of the infected had either developed immunities or died. All right. And then in 1957, there was the Asian flu. Started in Hong Kong and spreading throughout China and then into the United States, the Asian flu became widespread in England, where over six months, 14,000 people died. A second wave followed in early 1958, causing an estimated total of 1.1 million deaths globally, with 116,000 deaths in the United States alone. A vaccine was developed, effectively containing the pandemic. All right. And then in 1981, we had our HIV and AIDS pandemic. Um, it first, I, it was first identified in 1981. Um, AIDS destroyed a person's immune system, resulting in eventual death by diseases that the body would usually fight off. Uh, would usually fight off. Those infected by the HIV virus encountered fever, headache, and enlarged lymph nodes upon infection. When symptoms subside, carriers become highly infectious through blood and genital fluid, and the disease destroys T cells. AIDS was the first observed in the American gay communities, but is believed to have developed from a, chimp, a chimpanzee virus from West Africa in the 1920s. The disease, which spread through certain body, uh, body fluids, moved to Haiti in the 1960s and then in New York and San Francisco in the 1970s. Treatments have been developed to slow the progress of the disease, but 35 million people worldwide have died of AIDS since its discovery, and a cure is yet to be found. All right. Now, in 2003, we have the SARS, um, first identified in 2003 after several months of cases. Severe acute respiratory syndrome is believed to have possibly started with, with bats, spread to cats, and, to and then to humans in China, followed by 26 other countries infecting 8,096 people with 774 deaths. SARS is characterized by respiratory problems, dry cough, fever, and head and body aches, and spread throughout the respiratory droplets from coughs and sneezes. Quarantine efforts proved effective, and by July, the virus was contained and has reappeared, hasn't reappeared since. China was criticized for trying to suppress information about the virus at the beginning of the outbreak, um, and SARS was seen by global health professionals as a wake-up call to improve outbreak responses and lessons from the pandemic were used to keep diseases like H1N1, Ebola, and Zika under control. And finally, we come to 2019 with COVID-19. On March 11, 2020, the World Health Organization announced that the COVID-19 virus was officially a pandemic. Um, and after barreling through 114 countries in three months and affecting over 118,000 people. And the spread wasn't anywhere near finished. COVID-19 is caused by a novel coronavirus, a new coronavirus strain that has not been previously found in people. Symptoms include respiratory problems, fever and cough, and can, be led, can lead to pneumonia and death. Like SARS, it spread through droplets from sneezes. The first reported case in China appeared in November 17, 2019, in the Hubei province, but went unrecognized. Eight more cases appeared in December, with researchers pointing to an unknown virus. Many learned about COVID-19 when, um, and I cannot, Dr. Li Wenlang defied government orders and released safety information to other doctors. The following day, China informed the World Health Organization and charged Lee with a crime. Lee died from COVID-19 just over a month later. 
without a vaccine available, the spread, um, the virus spread beyond Chinese um, borders to nearly every country in the world. And by December of 2020, it had affected infected more than 75 million people and led to more than 1.6 million deaths worldwide. The number of new cases was growing faster than ever with more than 500,000 reported each day on average. All right. So, some closing thoughts here. Um, These events are going to continue to happen. Um, And and like we were saying earlier, this isn't the first one. This isn't the last one. And with this many people on the earth, it's only a matter of time before the next thing comes around, right? Um, there's, there's literally the world's population has multiplied by a factor of six or seven. So it's not surprising that these things are going to happen. So, um, yeah, sorry, Charles. I'm back. <laughs> um, so these natural disasters, um, famines, um, these false prophets, all these signs that Jesus prophesied that will happen during the Middle Ages, during the early church, and here at the end of time, these things have come to pass, just as he said there would be. Um, And they have grown in scale, and they are becoming more frequent. And so I think Jesus told us these signs to be a reminder. These things are happening. They should be a reminder to how close the second coming is, is. Uh, when we see these signs start to escalate here in the last days, we should be assured, just as he said, we should be in Matthew 24, and know that the probation period is ending, and we will seem, soon be reunited with our with our Lord and Savior here. So, instead of looking at these events and despairing or or being afraid and scared, we should be encouraged because these things have to come to pass. Um, And we also have to remember that a lot of people in the world, especially those who are unbelievers, as we go through these natural disasters, they're going to be discouraged. They're going to either question that God exists um, or they're going to blame God because they've lost material things or they've lost loved ones. And we've got to show some compassion for people and continue to share the gospel, to share Matthew 24 with with these people um, and to encourage one another because God told us these things so that we wouldn't have to be afraid that we know these things are coming and to prepare ourselves for them. And so, as he says in Matthew 24, verse 14, the um, and I'll read it again, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. These events are an opportunity for us to share the gospel even more, to to show that Jesus was told us that these things will come to pass and they have come to pass and they are coming to pass and they will continue to come to pass. That these events are proof that what he said was true and that he is the one true God. And so instead of being afraid and being depressed about these events, we should be encouraged because we know that these things were coming. And it's not just natural disasters. They're famines, they're false prophets, there's these wars. All these things have come to pass, are happening now, and will come to pass at the end, right before he comes back. So let's, all of us, remember to take advantage of every opportunity to continue to share um, Jesus uh, with everyone so we can do, like he said in, in verse 14, and we can bring this thing to an end. So um, after we dismiss from church, if you want to um, ask me questions, 
I'm going to stick around and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, that was a good suggestion, Charles. And basically, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. And then we can end the service. All right, let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you so much for giving us warnings and giving us prophecies in the Bible so that we can get prepared and we can be watching for these signs. You you gave us these signs so that it can be a reminder that as we're going about our daily lives and we're getting lost in the day-to-day minutia, that when these things happen, it's like a wake-up call and that we can we can come back and re-study and reassess the things that you said will come to pass and can see that the time of the end is here. Everything that you said would happen has happened. And basically, we are very at the very edge of the end of time here. And so, Lord, we just want to ask that you give us the courage to continue to share the gospel, to reassure those who are afraid and who are out there and who are hurting because they've lost so much in these in these um, pandemic in this pandemic that they can be brought some peace that they will soon be with their loved ones again if they would just accept you as their savior. So, Lord, we want to thank you for um, the blessing of all these uh, of these warnings for you giving us the blueprints to um, in the in the foresight of what's going to happen here at the end. And Lord, we just want to say thank you for everything that you do, for keeping our best interests at heart and being willing to share with us the future as he shared with his your disciples back then on that day. Lord, we just want to say that we love you, that we trust you in all times, and that we will endure to the end. I want to say this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.